Well, hello once again. It's Pastor Brown from Akron Alliance Fellowship. Hope that you've had a wonderful week and just a great time with the Lord. He has been outstanding as always. He is a wonderful counselor. He orders our steps. Uh, He is our mighty God and he has fought many battles on our behalf. And for this we give him thanks and we give him praise. Uh, When you think about the Lord... There's not enough praise. There's just not enough. We don't have the words to really praise him and to honor him. But yet he is worthy, as the scripture says, worthy to be praised all the time. And to give thanks in all things. There's so much we can give him thanks for for this past week. For he has been, again, just outstanding. I hope that's the way he's been in your life. I hope you see him that way in your life, that he is a magnificent God who does exceedingly above all that we can ever ask or think of him. But today, we want to look at something that can be very controversial as we talk about the end times. And uh, the end times, we really don't have a 100% clear picture on it. We do have bits and pieces, and we do the best we can in trying to put this puzzle together to see what's going to take place. And for some people, they have it down 100%. Well, I'm one of those that don't. Uh, I want you to know off the bat, uh, this is not per se uh, something that I would say, boy, I'm an expert in. We're going to look at the Word of God and we're going to expound on the Word of God and, and hopefully that the Holy Spirit gives us both understanding and insight into things. But as we talk about end times and we talk about the rapture, there are things that we don't know. We do know certain things that the rapture is going to take place. We know there's going to be a second coming. We know that there's going to be the seals. We know there's going to be the trumpets. We know there's going to be the bow or the vows that take place. We know there's going to be an antichrist. We know that Satan is going to set up. and We know the first beast, the second beast. We know there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. We know there's going to be the white throne judgment. There are things that, yes, we know, but yet... There's so much we don't know. And how God's going to work all this, we don't have a clear picture on that. At least I don't. But we're going to deal with what we know and what Scripture gives us. But I want to start off with this little piece of information here after we pray in Isaiah 55 because I think it's pertinent for us as we go into these types of studies that uh, we know there's different theories out there, different views on this. And I like what uh, one of the pastors that I have enjoyed over the years, Adrian Roger, he's with the Lord now. So he's not waiting on the rapture any longer. He is now with the Lord. Uh, But I like what he says. I'm not on the program committee. God's going to work his program and God's going to work it in his time. Whatever time that is, I accept. Because it's God's program, is God's working. I'm on the welcoming committee. That I'm going to welcome my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm ready. I'm looking forward to it. My prayers come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm on the welcoming committee, not on the program committee. And I love that so much about Adrian Rogers. And yet, um, he knew what he believed. He stood there on that. Uh, and he knew that other people saw it differently. Some great people, some great theologians, some wonderful pastors that were his friends and, and, and close associates. Uh, saw it a little different. And yet, he was willing to take his position, hold to it, but yet 
give room enough that he understand this is God's program, not his. We're seeking it out. We're learning from it, from the information that God's given us. So we want to pray and we want to dig into this a little bit. So let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, O God, for being the one, O Lord, who will accomplish those things that you so desire. No man's hand can stop you from moving. No man can stop your program. No man can hinder what you're going to do. Because, Lord, what you're going to do, you're going to do it. And you're going to do it in your fashion and in your time. Help us to be a people who are willing to accept what takes place. Even though, Lord, it may not exactly fit our plan or our timetable, help us, Lord, to be able to accept it. Because we know it's of thee, and you doeth all things well. So thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for giving us insight. But help us, Lord, to be the type of people you've called us to be, watchful and ready. For we know not the hour. But help us, Lord, to keep our eyes upon Jesus, looking upward for his coming, and to live a life in such a way that we're ready whenever he comes. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look at Isaiah with with me, Isaiah 55. And uh, some people will say, well, he's talking about the non-believer, that his ways are not that ways of the non-believer. I, I think he's just telling us, these little minds of ours cannot fathom what all he's going to do. And that when we think we got it, got in a box and we know exactly how he's going to work, we can say A, B, C, and D, this is what God's going to do, that we don't have it down pat. We're not the one directing God. He's going to work his program. And yes, I believe we can say, yes, the rapture is going to take place. When? I can't tell you. Tribulations? Going to take place. How bad they are? Can't tell you. Going to be bad. But when you look in Isaiah 55, he says <clears throat> in verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the evil man his thoughts. Now catch what he says. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Now listen to verse 8 here. 8 and 9. For the thoughts are not your thoughts. For my thoughts, for God's thoughts, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. The way you would do things, God says, is not his way. And he says, as the harvests are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So in verse 7, yes, he does specifically say, this is to the wicked. When he gets to 8, I think he's speaking to all of us. The Christian should be about gathering the thoughts of God as God transforms his mind. But again, his thoughts are not mine. His ways are not mine. He's changing my thoughts. He's changing my ways that fit what he would desire of each and every one of us. And I want us to kind of like hold on to that all the way through this study of end times and the different things we're going to talk about. That God has a way in which he's going to work these things through. They're not going to be exactly the way I might figure them out or the way I would think they would go. But God's going to run his program and he's going to do it 
his way. I have to have a heart to be obedient to what God does and be willing, catch this now, to accept what God does, even when it may cause me discomfort. Now, our last message was about the resurrection and the rapture. Why? Without the resurrection, there would be no rapture. So it's vital that Jesus had to come forth from that tomb. If he never came forth from the tomb, there would be no rapture, there would be no second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. His feet would never hit earth again because he never rose from the dead. But if there is that resurrection, and that is true, then we can look to the rapture and we can look to his second coming. Now, neither one of those do we know exactly when they're going to take place. We can say, yes, his second coming is going to take place before the millennial takes place. We can say that. That's that's a lot of space in there. We can say the rapture, and some will say the rapture will take place before tribulation. Then there are those who will say the rapture will take place after the first three and a half years. Then there are those who will say the rapture will take place at the end of tribulation, the seven years. We are looking at all those things and my position is that, again, be ready, be watchful. Be ready, be watchful. Oh, I'd like to have an early out. Wouldn't want to have to suffer one day. I'm not a person uh, that desires suffering. As they uh, took us through boot camp and uh, then through training at Camp Lejeune, uh, I shared with them, don't tell me anything you don't want me to tell the enemy because if I get captured, I'll tell him everything before I suffer. And that was just uh, part of my character and so forth. I, don't tell me nothing about where the president might be or tell me any top secrets or anything because I'll tell everything. And um, with that, I would say, yes, I want to get out of here as soon as possible. It's already bad, and it's going to get worse. Society as we know it right now, it's bad. We're killing each other. We're hurting each other. We're not really loving and caring for each other. We're frightened of this. We're frightened of that. We don't know who to trust, who not to trust. We are in a dilemma already. And yet, Scripture says, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Now, because we do believe in the resurrection, we look to his rapture. Now, we spoke about the rapture, so we want to move on a little bit further. And we'll still be hitting on it from time to time, because it's a very important piece going towards this end times. And we need to understand that there will be a time in which God's going to remove his church. When? We don't know. Nobody can exactly tell you when that will happen. We can't even say when tribulations really start. I've been trying to look into that more and more and more. Uh, we can read Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, but the precise day and time in which tribulations start can't really pick out. There's already rumors of war. We're already fighting wars around this country. We're seeing diseases and 
pandemics in which we're in one now. There are things that are happening now that, you know, that might fit in and may not yet be the time of tribulations. But yet there are these things that we keep trying to pinpoint and say, this would be the time, this would be the time. And from my perspective, nobody can really tell me that time. That time in which tribulations will start. I know it will come to an end, but I don't know when it will start. And I know when we're about halfway through it, because certain things will take place about halfway when the Antichrist turns on Israel after having a peace with Israel for some years, and then all of a sudden turn on Israel and all those who trust that individual. But we need to really establish this, that nobody knows the time in which this end will begin as we know somewhat life the way it is now. So turn with me to Mark chapter 13 and go to verse 32. 13.32 Because we need to sell in our hearts that Jesus has said some words that sometime we try to get around. And, And we need to understand that we're not going to get around it. He says in 32, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven. Now, now that's something. Where is Christ at now? In heaven. When he said this, he was on earth. But he's speaking about the heavenly realm, and he says they don't even know. They don't know. And if those in heaven don't know, how are we going to figure it out here on earth? He didn't tell us to try to figure it out, but he did give us instructions on what we need to be doing. And we want to look at that also. We want to recognize what are we to be doing? Because that's important that we understand what are we to do during this time period. And he says again, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. <clears throat> While he was in this fleshly realm, he admits he don't know. He don't know. Whether if he knows it now or not, we don't know. He was in this fleshly body. And some things he was limited to. And I believe he spoke the truth when he said he didn't know. But look what he says. But only the Father. But only the Father. That God alone knows that time. And when that will take place. He, he, he emphasizes, he emphasizes this just by each one of his gospels. Go to Matthew 24, 36. <coughs> 24, 36. He says again, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. Only the Father. Now, each one of the gospel writers have this very correctly without adding anything else to it. Um, They all heard this. And they're allowing us to recognize it and to have this knowledge that nobody knows the hour nor that time in which Jesus is going to come back and meet his church in the air, nor do we know exactly when 
his second coming is going to take place, nor do we really know exactly when tribulations will start. So those are some things that we're, we're somewhat looking at still, trying to get a grasp of, but yet not clear. At least I'm not. And we need to understand, no one knows about that day or the hour. Now, some people have been deceived and some have died following what man has said. But we need to come back and just camp here. Believe this, that no one knows about the day or the hour. Not even the angels in heaven know the sun but only the Father. Turn over with me to Luke 12. <clears throat> again, how they repeat it over and over again. And each one of the Gospels become, I think it's so important that he wants us to catch this and to hang on to it. Because this is one of the deceptive methods that people can share something with us that now they, through prophecy or or God saying something to them, or they're knowing something that is different than what Scripture says. People, hang on to this word in these days in which we live. If it's not in here, don't believe it. Don't believe it. Let this be your guide. Let this be your foundation. Let this be the book. That answers your questions. And it's not going to answer everything. But it will give you a peace. Go to uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse 40. Again, look at what he says. You also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. He's coming at a time that we're not expecting him. Though we think we figured it out, we think we know it, he says he's coming at a time when we would least expect him to come. Boy, that's something. That he would show up at a time at which we least expect him. And yet, he's going to do that. He's going to come. That's the point we have to have faith in and we have to believe in. That he's coming. He's coming. He's coming in the rapture. He's coming at the second coming. He is coming. I cannot tell you exactly when. And we're trying to boil that down. We're trying to get that answer. But it's not there. Only the Father knows. And he says, you also must be ready. That's our job now. That's what we should be doing in our life. That we are ready to go. Just think about, you can say to your wife, you can say to your children, we're going to leave on vacation on Thursday morning at 6 o'clock. We want to be out the door around 6 o'clock or no later than 5 or 10 minutes after 6. We want to beat the morning traffic. Now, they know somewhat what the plan is. Now, their job is to be packed, have their clothes ready, and ready to go. You don't start packing at 6 o'clock. You want to do that prior to, beforehand. And that's what it is with us. Be ready. We want to have our spiritual life in check with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to have that relationship with him. We want to understand that we're not perfect, but we want to be as sinless as possible. We want to throw off a lot of the things of this world. Because we're going to leave them behind. And he tells us now, you be ready. That nothing that you're so attached to here on this earth that when he says come you're saying give me a minute no no 
He says, be ready because I'm coming at an unexpected time. You just be ready. You be ready. Ready to leave this place. And that's what you and I should be doing mentally and with our heart. That we're ready to go and be with the Lord the moment that he says, come up here. We're ready. And he said, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. We're looking for him. And we might say, this is the day, but it's not the day. And tomorrow we may say, this is the day. And next month we may say, this is the day. No, he's going to come according to his program at an unexpected time. He's going to come. Our job is to be ready. Is to be ready. And we want to do that. Now, go back over to Matthew 24 with me. Because we have another job that we should constantly be allowing ourselves or preparing ourselves or teaching ourselves to do. So in John 24 and verse 42, he's going to tell us to do something else. He says, therefore, keep watch. I'm watching for him. I'm watching the times in which we're living. And I imagine those people in World War II, as you read history and some of the church writing back in World War II, some people thought that was the time of tribulation and they thought this was the time of the end. And uh, their thoughts was, boy, okay, because they're looking at the time. We want to keep looking at our time. But our real time clock is Israel. So keep your eyes on Israel. There's going to be murderers. There's going to be many people who will lose their life because people are lawless. Sometimes men think, I can pass a law that would put fear into man about doing something that is wrong or evil or sinful. Law has never stopped somebody from killing someone. Law has never stopped people from robbing a bank. Law has never stopped people from breaking into homes. Law has never stopped. Even though it's unlawful, it hasn't stopped it. It's only one thing that can stop it. God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, living in the heart and the life of the individual. The person being controlled by the Holy Spirit and not by self-will. That's the only thing that can stop it. Law is only for law-abiding people. People who are willing to obey what the law says. And he says, now, you keep watch. Watch people. Watch society. Watch what's going on in our world. Because in Matthew 24 and 25, there are things that he gives us, but Yet he doesn't say these are the exact things that will take place because these things have been taking place for years. Wars have been taking place for years. Famines around the world has been taking place for years. Uh, Diseases have been taking place around the world for years. And we do see, even in this day in which we're living, a falling away from the church, that people are not conscious about church or conscious about God or have any fear of God today. So we see in one sense this here falling away of people from the things of God. The thing that we need to understand about some of these things is this. How intense are they? You can have hot water and it can be hot. And many of us like our coffee hot. I like mine warm, but not hot. I like my food warm, but not hot. My wife, now, she likes it hot. I don't want to be taking a spoon. (laughs) I don't want to be blowing. I want to eat. So there's a difference there. You can have hot water, and there's a difference between hot water 
and boiling water. You may want to jump in a bathtub with hot water. You don't want to jump in a bathtub with boiling water. And that's what we're looking at when we talk about the famines, wars, diseases. What is the temperature? What is the intensity of this thing? It's going to be way, way, way beyond what we call normal. Normal. But I don't know anymore if we understand what normal is because when we talk about, about morality and the norms of morality, most people don't know what a norm is for morality what should be or what shouldn't be. So we are slowly being or coming to a place that we're not recognizing certain things. And we're losing the ability to sense this is too much, this is going too far. We're losing that. But he says for us to keep watch, and those are the things we need to keep watch on. What is the morality of our families or our children? Are we really keeping watch? What's the morality of my community? Are we keeping watch? Are we seeing it? And he says to us, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour on a journey. Again, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour that he's going to come. When you're going to take this journey, we don't know it. And yet he is saying, you keep watch. That's important. Be ready. Be watchful. Be ready. Be watchful. Because he is going to come. The rapture is going to take place. Tribulations is going to take place. Second coming is going to take place. The millennial is going to take place. And yes, the Antichrist, the beast, the second beast, all those things are going to take place. The problem is we don't know exactly when. We don't know exactly when. Now, he warns us there to keep watch because we don't know the hour. To be ready, because we don't know the hour. Now, as we get ready to go into this thing a little bit more, I want you to be mindful. You are to always be watchful and ready. Because when things begin to happen, just like with the rapture, it's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. These things are going to move not so much, I want to say it, we have a time that we're on, this 24-hour clock. God's not on a 24-hour clock. So there will be things taking place in heaven that will not have to be done in what we think, one hour, two hours, in order to get back down here and do something else. And and that's what confuses us, I think, sometimes as we try to figure these things out. We don't have that heavenly mind or really understand yet the things of heaven and how they really work. We are accustomed here and we're time-oriented. But we're not understanding that God can do some miraculous things in a very short, 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 short time. In the rapture, in a sense, millions of people are going to disappear all at once. Now, the thing is, is simply this. If that happens, I want you to think of a million people trying to get into the subways in New York all at one time. Onto the trains at one time. 
It takes a time for them doors to stay open, to fill the trains up, and still yet there's people on the outside. Well, well that's not going to be with God. He, he's not loading up the chariots and taking us up in different time periods. We're going to all disappear in the rapture in just a matter of a second. Can't do that with this finger right now in the arthritis, but just in a second we're going to be gone. So go with me to First Corinthians 15. Come over into verse 52 just to see how God would work differently than what we would work. Anytime we move a mass of people, it takes enormous amount of time. But with God, he's going to move millions and millions and millions of people, he says, in a twinkling of an eye. So in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 52, verse 52, he said, in a flash. You have one of them cameras with a flash? Boy, smile. Blinded. But here again. How how fast did that flash click? How fast is that camera flash flick and that picture is captured? He's trying to give us an illustration of how fast the rapture of the church, how quickly it will happen. And he says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishably, and we will be changed. And Thessalonians tells us in First Thessalonians 4 that the dead will rise first, then the those who are alive, who are remaining, they will be brought up also. Now, all of that will take place in just a twinkling of the eye. We can't fathom that. But in God's world, it's possible. In our world, we can't move that many people in the twinkling of an eye. But God is able to do it. And we need to hold on to that thought too. What God does and the way God is going to do things is going to be different than what we are accustomed of. And therefore, we're going to see things take place in a different manner. Because the world is going to change drastically as he allows Satan to take more authority and to do more. Now, I want you to go with me to Second Thessalonians. And we need to understand in chapter 2, there is this area that we have to deal with because it's going towards part of this end times. And he's going to explain a little bit. He gives us a little view of this, but we don't have all the answers. We've put... A, B, and C in place, but we don't know exactly which. So, in that verse 1, in the chapter 2, he says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ, and our being gathered to him. Now, that's the rapture part. That we're being gathered to him. Being caught up. We ask you, brothers not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report or letter supposed to have come from us that somebody else is getting you off track. He said, don't believe what somebody else is writing. Stay with this word. And he's telling them there were those who falsified a letter saying okay the rapture have taken place that this is taking place this has been done no he said don't believe that don't believe that report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the lord 
has already come. Hasn't come. But he says, don't be deceived by it. Then he says, don't let anyone deceive you. And that's Satan's main game. Deception. Deception is something that Satan is a master at. He comes as an angel of light. And he comes as someone who's a comforter. He comes as someone who's a counselor. He comes as someone who's going to help you. He comes as someone who's going to guide you. But he does all that. And the way you pick out his character is because you have to put it with the character of God, with the character of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have to know this word. And if you know this word, you're going to know the character of Christ. You're going to know some of the character of God. And Satan is going to try to ease in, but it don't match up. There's a red flag. And you have to notice the red flags. In deception with Satan, there will be red flags that will pop up. But if you're not a Christian, you're not going to even notice the red flags. But the Christian should recognize the red flag that this is not of God. This is not of God. This is not according to the word of God. This doesn't fit in any way within the scriptures. It's a red flag. And he says, don't let anyone deceive you because that's Satan's master game is deception. And he says, in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Again, I can't tell you when this rebellion will take place. But the scripture is saying there's something that won't take place until the rebellion takes place. Whenever there's a rebellion, there has to be someone leading it. And the Antichrist is going to be leading this rebellion. And it's going to be a rebellion against anything that is godly. Now we can say that's going on today. And there are those who are of the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist who speak against the things of God, who try to destroy everything that is of God and does not want the people of God to have any voice in any of these things or even speak on what is morally right or morally wrong. We don't want the Christian to speak on what is sin and what is not sin. We don't want the Christian to speak on whether this is this or that is that. We want the Christian to be quiet and accept whatever we call a young man or a young girl and we mix it all up in all the confusion, but we want the Christian to be quiet because we already know, many already know the answer of the Christian. God only made male and female, didn't make anything else. I don't care how they cut you. I don't care what they do to you. Your DNA is either male or female. That's it. That's who you are. You're either a male or you're a female. Boy, people say no. No. Yes, because God only created an Adam and an Eve. And he says, there's going to be a rebellion. What's the rebellion going to be about? The rebellion is going to be about the things of God, the word of God, and how God expects his people to live, how he is to be worshipped. And we're going to find that people are going to fight against that. So don't be surprised one day that you can't go to church. Don't be surprised someday that your church will have a clothes sign on it. Don't be surprised one day that people will tell you, don't speak the name of Jesus. Don't be surprised one day that people will tell you, you go to jail if you open up this Bible or if you teach from this Bible. And that's already happened in many places, Russia and a lot of Arab land. You can't open up this Bible and really read it. So it's already happening. 
we're blessed in America is not as rigid as it is in some other areas, but it's coming. Because it's going to be a rebellion against the things of God. And he says that the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness. What's lawlessness? Is whenever you are not willing to submit yourself to the laws of God. That you're willing to transgress God's word. And when you transgress God's word, that is lawlessness. You're breaking God's word, going against God's word. And he says, again, occur in the man of lawlessness. Remember what I just said a few moments ago? There's always someone who's leading it. Who's leading it. Now, we're going to look at that when we get into Revelations chapter 13, who might be leading this lawlessness and why. And he says, lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Now, it's a human man, it's a human individual that Satan has taken charge of. And that person is willing to be obedient to the things of Satan. Now that's hard for us to grasp up here. But always go back to Judas. It says Satan entered Judas. And Satan will enter this individual. And will lead him in rebellion against the things of God. And look what he says in verse 4 here now. He will oppose and will exalt himself. What is he opposing? He's opposing the word of God. He's opposing the things of God. And what is he going to do? He's going to exalt himself. Not God, but himself. Look what else takes place. Over everything that is called God. Or is worshipped so that he sits himself up in God's temple. Now, I want you to hang on to this because when we go into chapter 13 in Revelation, we're going to see some of this. Sets himself in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, that's the lie that I believe is spoken of. That here is a lie that Satan will share and many people will believe it. That this man that he sets up is God. And those of us who know the word, we have to come to that place. We're going to hold to this word. We're going to cling to this word. Why? If we give in, or those who give in to this lie, and they choose to believe this lie, because they don't want to come under the authority of God, that God will send a strong delusion that they believe this lie and they accept this lie of the Antichrist, of Satan. And he goes on, he says... <clears throat> Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things in verse 5? Don't you remember? We talked about these things. And there are those that have heard this, but don't believe it. There are those who have sat and talked with their parents, but don't believe it. There are those who are grandchildren who have talked to grandparents but don't believe it. There are those who have just talked about it in casual conversation, but don't believe it. 
and they're going to believe a lie because they have rejected the truth. They're going to believe a lie. He says down in verse 10, And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. Well, who's telling the lie? The Antichrist. This one who is leading the rebellion. This one who sets himself up to be God. This one who wants to be worshipped is telling a lie. He is not God. He is not worthy to be worshipped and praised. But he's going to be so convincing that the people believe him. And God, because they did not want to believe truth, sends them a strong delusion that they themselves will believe this lie and they will worship this one. And there will also be those who will be forced to worship him. We will see in Revelation 13. And he says, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back. Now there's something holding him back. And this clock is moving quicker than I wanted to move. But we have to deal with it. But he says in that verse, And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. Satan, this Antichrist, this beast, they're being held back. And what's holding them back, we believe, is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working in the life of believers that is holding this back. It is the Holy Spirit working through the church that is holding this back. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that has not been removed. And I want you to understand this. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to be removed. For people are going to be saved in Revelations. And I don't believe you can be saved without the Holy Spirit. Because one of the conditions of being saved is being convicted by the Holy Spirit. But his power is going to be removed. He's going to stop restraining. And someplace like a dam has broken, Satan is going to rush in like water would rush in. If a dam is broken, it's just going to flood the lives of people with all kind of sin and chaoticness. Because there's nothing to control it. There's nothing to control Satan, the Antichrist, the beast that we'll see in Revelation 13. But he says, remember, we talked about this. And he says, now, there is someone who is holding him back. Why? So that he may be revealed at the proper time. Satan would rush in right this very moment and just start his work, his plan, devastating the lives of people, which he's already doing, but much more so. Satan would take more control of our homes and our children and of the lives of people. We think drugs are bad now. Wait until Satan has control. We think things are bad now. Wait until it's turned over, 
Satan and the Holy Spirit is removed, it's going to be far worse. But what controls that right now? What controls that right now? Is the believer? Is the church? Is the power of the Holy Spirit working through those two elements that I believe is the person of the Holy Spirit that holds this back? But it's going to be released one day. And the question is, are you watching? Are you ready? That the moment the Lord says, come up here, you're ready to go. There's nothing here on earth that you so desire that you would feel like you have to go back into your house and grab. There's no valuables here. There's no tangible thing that would hold you back and God says, come up, hear it. Are you ready to go? And are you watching? Well, I didn't get as far as I wanted to get, but we will pick up next week again. But we will pick up going back through a little bit of this, just to get the understanding again, and then over into Revelations chapter 13. So be in prayer, but go back through. But hang on to those scriptures that I gave to you. Uh, understand something. No man knoweth the day or the hour that certain things are going to take place in the end here. But be assured of this. They're going to take place. That's what scripture is telling you. That's why he gave us the information that we can know without a shadow of a doubt they're going to take place. We just don't know the exact time they're going to take place. The plagues, the seven seals, they're going to take place. The trumpets are going to take place. The bowls and the vows, they're going to take place. We just don't know exactly when. But we're going to be watching for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we're going to be ready when he says, come up here. We're gone in a twinkling of an eye. Well, God bless you. May God keep you. And may God somehow burden your heart to just search this out more and more. It's something about knowing these things that John says, if we know these things, they purify us. That if we're really looking for the Lord to come, it purifies our life. It causes us to live differently. And I pray that because you're looking for the Lord Jesus Christ and you're making yourself ready for him, that it really does purify your life. It changes your life. And that you have made a conscious decision to really follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And nothing will persuade you to do anything else but to live for Christ. I pray that you will not be deceived in these days in which we're living, but that you would draw closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not the time to have a double-mindedness. This is time to be sure that you're saved and you're truly walking with the Lord and you're ready to go. I don't care if you're five years old or 50 years old. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let the Holy Spirit really speak to your heart. And all you have to do is say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. You're not ready until you do that, until you know the Lord personally for yourself. You're not ready. But when you're ready, you'll also be watchful. When you pack them suitcases and, and, and we're saying we're leaving at 6 o'clock, you're watching that clock also for 6 o'clock. But you're ready to go. Now you're just waiting for the time. To hear dad or mom say, okay, time to get up. Time to go. We're heading on our vacation. And one day, 
the Lord is going to say, it's time. It's time. Father, we want to thank you and praise you. That, Lord, you are preparing your people for such an hour, for such a time, in which we're going to be caught up in the air to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're preparing us for such a time that we're going to be with you throughout eternity. You're preparing us. Help us, O oh God, to be watchful. To know that, Lord, yes, there's going to be some troubling days. There's going to be the time that is what is called Jacob's trouble. Yes, there's going to be tribulation. Yes, there's going to be famine and there's going to be diseases and there's going to be wars like we've never seen or witnessed before. But Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus and not be moved from him. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May God keep you. And may you be looking, not so much for the undertaker, but for the uppertaker. Amen. God bless you. Bye-bye.